Welcome to the King's Table. Welcome to the King's Table, a podcast of Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. The King's Table exists to help people know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. From the altar table to the dinner table, the conference table to the pool table, because Jesus is Lord over all. Welcome back to the table. I am Pastor Rusty, and I am here joined today with Pastor Jeff. What's up, guys? And Pastor Matt. Hey, hey. We're excited today because we're going to change directions a little bit uh, away from the membership 2.0 stuff where we kind of take uh, hopefully uh, a layer below what you would kind of expect in an introductory level thing in our membership class into really diving into pieces. We're going to start a new series today of kind of going room by room through the church. So from the front of the church and the foyer where you talk about things like hospitality, uh, you talk about you know warmth and engagement with people there, evangelism, outreach, kind of on there, to the coffee table, you know, in the in the commons, to then thinking about some of our classrooms and down into the gym where the kids are in the kids' rooms. Uh, but today, we're to kick all this off. We're going to start kind of where the peak of Sunday is, and that's at the pulpit. So, thinking about the pulpit, today's uh, episode is titled "Preaching That Doesn't Suck." Uh, which I think helps kind of set the tone of what we think is supposed to happen there and where we think that we're at. So when we think about preaching, man, preaching has and always is and should be, really, the hot-button topic of what a church is. It's where you experience a lot of the the pushback from people, some of the biggest questions. It's the first or second page that people look at on our websites. They either go to leadership and just look at the pictures of people uh, or they go to the sermons to see what they're talking about. It is really central and should be. So today we wanted to, to kick off this series off with that and really kind of kick it over to Pastor Matt, who's in charge of kind of the, well, certainly the vision of, the, of Christ the Lord Church, but also oversees the, our preaching arm overall and let him kind of set the tone for us and, and what we're going to chat through today. So take it away, man. Yeah, man. Is there's so much to say about preaching? I mean, there's so many books um, out there. Uh, you know, s- some of the books uh, that I've read has been like uh, "Preach" by Dever, uh, "Supremacy of God in Preaching" by Piper. Um, read Lloyd Jones, sure. um, and uh, th- there's there's so much to say about preaching. And what I what I don't want to do is um, rehash kind of all the uh, the people, at least in our circles, uh, that like what they already know about preaching. This isn't just a general theology preaching. The same yeah. thing we weren't trying to tackle with kingship. Yeah. It's not just a, a theology of the kingdom. Go read, you know, Goldsworthy for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But what does it look like here? What do we find is usually some of the challenges? What are our aims and goals? Yeah, yeah. What what like uh, sets us apart and, and getting kind of getting down into some more of the nitty gritty. Um, you know, back to your point, you said um, it's usually one of the first or second pages visited on a on a church's thing. It's also one of the first places that gets attacked mm-hmm. uh, by the devil and by people who don't think they're the devil. Uh, <laughs> it's because they they don't have horns, just uh, teeth. Let me tell you how I really feel. <laughs> 
there's usually a big target on whoever's preaching. Um, they, there's just something really special and unique about that moment, uh, or those uh, those moments on Sunday mornings, and or when the church is gathered and the public proclamation of the word. Uh, but one of the one of the things uh, that uh, like when I think part of why a church why the preaching gets looked at early on in the search process is because at least hopefully because people recognize that where the preaching is is usually where the church is headed. Mm-hmm. Ideally, the preaching is multiple steps ahead of where the people are at. Yeah, this is their spiritual diet. This is what they're consuming regularly. You expect this to be reflective of the health of the church. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if they're, so if they're used to short tidbits, if they're used to um, shallow preaching, if they're used to uh, pansy preaching, if and we'll talk more about what I mean by these things as we go, if they're used to just generalized preaching, if they're used to running commentaries, then that's going to tell you what kind of people you have in that congregation and tell you ideally where they're going unless mm-hmm. there's a, a big revolt around the corner um, of people <laughs> ready to, you know, oust that guy. Mm-hmm. So um, that those it generally tells where you're going to go. And, 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 and again, I, I want to focus more on like what sets us apart and you know there's there's so much so much out there in the realm of of preaching and honestly a lot of it just isn't preaching a lot of it is some joe schmo with a microphone or today some woman with a microphone uh which by the way among other things (laughs) it's just not preaching Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, if it's a woman, it's, it's certainly not preaching. Well, now it's it people who can't be. say they're women. <laughs> that's, that's where we're at now. <laughs> yes, look where we've come. <laughs> Haven't we, uh, uh, you know, Darwin was correct. You know, we, we evolve into much greater things, don't we? Side note, other podcast. The reason we have um, people claiming to be women, gay-affirming people in the pulpit, or transgender people in the pulpit, is because the church at large has let women in the pulpit. Yeah. That's another conversation though. <laughs> That's right. So, so much of it's just, just not preaching. You just got a guy up there with a microphone and some cool thoughts and sometimes practically helpful, but that's, that's it. It's not preaching. Uh, and some that might be considered preaching, but it's just really terrible. That's because they're preaching at an experience. Yeah. Yes, they're just they're trying to yeah, they want you to walk away with a reason to come back next week and they don't care if that reason is Jesus. Yeah. I'm always very um not discouraged, but I'm always l- a little frustrated when somebody who hasn't heard me preach before like on a, you know, they come on Easter or something and they come up to me and they say, "Man, that was really encouraged. You really get fired up. I like that. That really I like to see you really passionate." And I'm always like did you learn anything specifically about <laughs> what? And it, and I've pushed people before, and it's never that. It's always you just are really passionate about what you believe, and it's never anything of substance, that's, right? That's what people know of me. That's why people don't talk to me after sermons anymore. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> what, what did you was learn? He, what was helpful? And I'm like, uh, no, 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 no. Just good yeah. sermon. You're supposed <laughs> to say praise God, and that's supposed to be it. Yep. <laughs> you know the drill, Russ. <laughs> exactly. No. You, you, Jeff, your your wife sent this message to me yesterday in our group text. Oh yeah, said I was re-listening to Sunday's sermon, and for the record, I found it very much encouraging, uh, educational, 
and I had no trouble correctly understanding or following at at all. <laughs> Amen. My wife knows how to encourage preachers. One, because <laughs> yes. she's lived with one for a long time. Yes, yes. There you go. Yes. Um, yeah, and I, I know that my sermon was crap. Uh, if my wife just tells me straight up, because you know, she will. But yeah, she knows how to encourage a preacher for sure. Man, so mo- most of this, I think, most honestly of the preaching out there is just just terrible, and and. I think one of the um, one of the, the kind of the proof is in the pudding, and and the proof of of good preaching frequently is going to be the uh, nourishment or the uh, fruit of the people uh, that's been sitting underneath that preaching for a while. You guys know those those like videos that are always asking for money and support for like some third world country, you know, uh, that, like that is Sarah McLaughlin stuff. I, I, all yeah. I can think of is the Sarah McLaughlin, the dog thing. I was saying that dogs though. Puppies. <laughs> In the arms of the angels. And there it is. Yeah. Well, right. And it was like yeah. throwing money at the TV. <laughs> Weeping. <laughs> that stuff always got like my grandma. Yeah. Yes. Like grandma gave more money to little puppies in the pound than she did to me <laughs> <laughs> right but so yes like that except with all the terribly uh malnourished little black and brown yeah. children right in africa or right. haiti yeah, you get your point. and they're terribly malnourished well if you could like capture the malnourished state of most christians sitting under most preaching you'd have plenty of video footage mm-hmm. this is true so if you could just see their spiritual state on screen, you you you'd have as many as as uh, videos as you could shoot. Hmm. So I, one of the things that I I want to argue again, going back to this, like what sets us apart, what what uh, kind of getting beyond the the broad piece of uh, of what we understand about preaching is, I really want to argue that even sometimes what we might call expositional preaching can still starve God's people. And, uh, you know, that, that might be a bit provocative, but um, no, I, think that's super I, think helpful. I think it's worthy. I think that's super helpful in kicking us off because we need to very quickly um, talk about what we mean by bad, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of what are we pushing against before we tell you why we do what we do? Uh, so what are some of those markers of it's one thing for us to say they're not preaching. So there are some very theological reasons that we have for that. We're not going that track. We're happy to talk with you some other time. But when we talk just about context and we look at the broad context of, you know, evangelicalism out there, place other churches that we want to call brothers right, and, and be able to, to partner in ministry together. What's, what's wrong with a lot of the preaching? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some, some preaching, uh, I get, kind of to use some terms here, you've got topical preaching, and topical preaching is not always bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would argue that shouldn't be the general diet, and topical preaching is where you just kind of take a topic and then you you uh, string together a bunch of verses and and some cool thoughts and and put that together as as a sermon, and that can be done and it can be done faithfully. It's just usually what happens is. It's just a little bit of Bible and a whole lot of some guy's garnered wisdom or supposed wisdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's oftentimes not much more than that. Um, so, so if it is if it's if it's this side of the faithful side of um, of topical preaching, then that's kind of I guess we'd start there. Yeah. 
And what is bad? What is bad preaching from there? I, what is preaching that sucks? Uh, I would say uh, preaching that, uh, like an example, of this would be preaching that is so theoretical or so um, broad and general mm-hmm. that it just kind of blows right over top of people's souls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I, what I mean by that, like they still might like understand it. So I don't mean like it just goes over their head. Like, you know, you said that, but it just went over the child's head. I, I don't mean that. What I mean, like, is it, it didn't hit them in the frontlets. It doesn't have to land in their lap. Yeah, exactly. They don't, they're not, um, they're not, uh, this is a good way to say it. They're not forced to do something with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's just, it's just up there. It's just, it's cute admonition. So it can even include things like, well, you shouldn't do this and you should do that. But it's stuff that, okay, great. So like, so like even... Even in like a, a church that says, well, you need to read your Bible. Okay, cool, I'm going to go read my Bible. But how can you say, go read your Bible in a way that is not so high that everyone can just go, okay, cool, yeah. I'll do that. that. That's what a Christian should do. Yeah, Jeff, what are some of those kind of cultural, broad, air quotes, Christian things that we usually see that fall into this kind of category? Well, you know, it's interesting. Traditionally, I was thinking about when I was a kid. My dad told this story when he was first starting out uh, preaching um, that he just would do an evangelistic sermon every Sunday. Mm. And he said, he said that's what he was taught, you know. Um, that's what he, was supposed to, what he was supposed to do. And he said he had a guy come up to him one time and said, uh, Pastor Cornette, would you please point out to me all the lost people? in our church because I'm really burdened and I really want to pray for them and I want to talk to them personally and dad said he turned around and was like looking at the congregation and he was like I don't think anybody's not a believer <laughs> and mm. it's like why am I not uh, reaching yeah. uh, more meaty stuff here right so that, yeah. I, I think about that uh, um, first off that there are some places I w- um, Brent and I have a friend who um, their church is very evangelistic sermon driven. Like mm-hmm. now their Wednesday night service is more of a teaching time. Um, but it, yeah, it's just all evangelism. Um, you have the classic stuff, like Matt said, like you know, just read your Bible. Makes me think of that uh, kid's song, read your Bible, pray every day, mm-hmm. and you'll grow, 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 which is true. But when you speak in such broad terms, I think the reason that preachers speak in such broad terms and this i know this because this is a temptation that creeps up in, in our hearts when you speak in broad terms you don't have to speak specifically about people's no. sins no and when you do that because you're not you're not pressing into people you get more applause right exactly and therein is the danger of, of topical preaching as you said but there was a day when you you know in the early 2000s and so on when the church planting movement really started when you could say expository preaching and everybody was like oh that's a really good marker mm-hmm. but that's not the case anymore yeah. not the case anymore at all as with many things yeah you know that's how history goes right there's a need for redefining these things as they get yeah because when i turned off look across the landscape and some of the other churches that i visited when it comes to whether it's topical or expositional i mean it, it depends it's I usually see some of the same things. They're still going to talk about your suffering, mm-hmm. right? And, but they're not going to actually tell you why you're suffering or actually how to get out of it. 
Yeah. yeah. Other than that, Jesus is the answer. Mm-hmm. They're going to talk about marriage and love and the way that we should relate to each other. Mm-hmm. They're going to talk about general parenting stuff, right? General how to be a good person stuff in the workplace, but never asking for, as we'll talk about later, you know, repentance and stuff. It's just broad things of how to be better now, which to me is what I grew up with. All right, you got saved. Now go go be better. Yeah, it's that mm-hmm. it's that behavior yeah. modification thing. And th- and that's what the in the preaching has to feed because that's the only marker of, of growth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, another example would be I I remember being a part of a church in Kentucky for a while and one of the things that occurred to me in that preaching cuz the the preacher there that I was serving with was getting a lot of flack from the congregation. And what I noticed was that he was you know preaching to the sins present. But the thing that, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, but what was, what I, what I remember in that time thinking is that modern day preaching to tickle people's ears Mm -hmm. looks like hard, get at it kind of preaching, but not about the sins of anybody in the room. Yeah. Right. So we're going to go after the adulterers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you got a congregation full of 70 year old gray haired people like, like not that they don't have affairs. Certainly they're depraved too, but most of these people have been married 50 years. Like, and there's a reason why they've been married 50 years. They're committed to that. They might have a terrible marriage, but they're probably not having adultery or committing adultery. So yeah. So everyone's going to clap, 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 clap. Awesome. And so those people feel good. Mm -hmm. They feel tickled. And, And, and I, that happens in a lot of churches. We use this phrase, the, a punching right. Like a lot of times people, uh, preachers will punch right. I mean, Jeff, you were listening to a sermon the other day where you were oh, yeah. telling me about <laughs> the, the, the preacher, and this is a, a preacher in our town yeah. that was preaching on something. He was just, he was punching right. And when you punch right, meaning more conservatively or more, in this case, more... Uh, punch at. Yeah, yeah, the, versus the people that are present, you make them feel good. Yeah, he may, he he felt the need to say, to punch at the right and say this is even more heinous. I would argue, and and the problem with that is he's he's um trying not to piss off certain people in his congregation mm-hmm. that have certain leanings, mm-hmm. and that's just you're not being driven by the word of God. You're being driven by the fears and the whims, uh, you're by the fears you have for your people and the whims of the culture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be costly for you yeah. to say that. Yeah, the fiery preaching is funny. I, I grew up with some of that as well, you know, the old Kentucky um, tent meetings. Now, those a lot of those guys, those were revivals. And the Lord said, Yeah, ah, yeah. And they had the, ah. the hanky and, you know, my grandpa crazy said, stuff. My grandpa said, I, he said, I used to preach like that until I went to school. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, and so some of those guys were just like evangelists, right? These are tent meetings. These are revivals. They had the same three sermons they, they yeah, preached they a the thousand same three times. sermons, and they're preaching against moonshine, and they're preaching to the people because everybody's got a bottle of moonshine underneath the chair. Um, but yeah, that, that idea of like real fiery about general things, uh-huh. but not necessarily specific things. Yeah. So we're like, man, he's a fiery preacher. Um, and then the other side of that coin is people who are, you know, they, they play the, the synthesizer, you know, all the way through, uh, a little electric guitar all the way through his little talk, you know, <laughs> it just becomes another show yeah. whether it's got lights or no joke. One, or one time I was preaching at a church years ago here in, in Dayton. And, uh, I, I mean, as you know, I've 
just, you know, for our people, I've always been a long-winded preacher, so that's nothing new. <laughs> and I was pushing it in this church. And I don't know if the keyboard guy was trying to, like, get me to shut up and give me a cue, but I was like, I still had, like, three points left. And they were, <laughs> you know, and he got out and he started playing. And he's playing and playing, and I don't like that anyway. Um, for it might be okay for a liturgy or something here yeah, and there yeah, for yeah, transition, yeah, yeah, but yeah, not yeah. for the preaching. And um, I turned around and I said, "Hey, man, I'm gonna be going a little bit longer, so <laughs> why don't you s- sit down?" <laughs> it was super awkward, and he had to stop playing stop and go sit down. Stop it! Stop, stop it! it. I'm still, you're gonna be up here a long time, stop buddy. Stop touching the keys. Yeah. So there's there's those extremes <laughs> that you see. You know, it's a really fiery guy, or he's really quiet and kind of emotionally driven as well. What about this uh, this winsome thing, like winsomeness in preaching? Yeah. What do you guys think about that? I think it's another example of of <laughs> preaching that sucks. I think that's the, I think that's massive in in preaching today. Yeah. yeah well, what do we mean by winsome preaching? Winsome is going to be. There's uh, to me like there's two versions of it. The one that I think typically gets hounded at us the most is. Uh, because it sounds more most biblical is just protecting your reputation uh, as a believer. Like yeah, your sure, your witness. Yeah, you're protecting your witness, making sure no one can say anything bad about the, you or the church or or anything like that. Whereas Jesus says, like if they do, that means you're you're actually doing what you're supposed to. <laughs> right. So there's that. But uh, yeah, no. <laughs> if they revile you for righteousness' sake, yeah, right. then you know. go dance a go di- go stick around the corner and dance. Go yeah. go to a jig, a nice little Irish dance. So. Yeah, there's that's the one that like when I hear winsome, that's what I'm hearing them say, and it's it's essentially boils down to the only way you can do that in any environment is to play patty cake, yeah. but specifically in a hostile environment, yeah. which is our culture, right? Mm-hmm. So the only way to remain winsome in that kind of culture is to have no convictions of your own, yeah, and and, and to only speak to that which will be received, and that's yeah. not our job, yeah. I would I would add to that the winsomeness is uh, at least the way and what I'm pushing back against the definition is that it's your preaching has to produce a particular result mm-hmm. and w- that result uh, or, or basically basically what what successful preaching then looks like if it's winsome is that the person is rather agreeable with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so namely, you, you or, won you, them. you're getting success out of them, uh, th- or that's successful because now they at least don't hate God anymore right. or they love God more. And that's, that's the only way it can be successful. Therefore you were winsome, but winsome can also, if it's done rightly, uh, and what would be successful as well is exposing someone's sinfulness too. Mm-hmm. So that that maybe they get more enraged in their sin and uh like the the way i explain is this is if it's effective and it's in 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 its preaching it's going to reveal the truth of the matter mm-hmm. that's what we're after we want we want the dross to come to the surface so that it can be scraped away. So the truth of the matter has to be revealed. We're truth seekers, and we rely on the truth, and mm-hmm. the truth sets you free. So if that means someone, the truth comes out, and they embrace the truth, and they love the truth, and they grow, then great. You are probably winsome. On the other category, 
But if what boils to the surface is self-righteousness, uh, their love for self-righteousness, their hatred for the truth, then what's being exposed is the truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in that case, you're being winsome too. But in our, but right now, the only winsome that's winsomeness that's acceptable is the first one. Yeah. And what's funny to me is that us even talking about this, we're talking about concepts of truth, whereas for them, they're evaluating us almost purely on tone. How yeah. it makes them feel. How you made me feel. <laughs> yep. So that component is just the ultimate trump card forever. Yes. Right? Yeah. How'd you make me feel? And we saw this uh, way back with Obama's first term, right? Yeah. Him over Romney, even. Mm. His tone was, was so much different. And then, of course, that then plays out even more when we get to then Trump and Biden. Uh, but mm. the tone has been has become king. It has. In every case. And so well, we're and sitting here talking about concepts of truth. And they don't care. That's not what no. they're about. Yeah. Well, and even to say it's about tone, it's really the it's the surface item. Mm. What it is is it's how you made me feel. Yeah. That's yeah. really what it's about. But that tone police come for you. Oh yeah. You well, because that, that's what they hear first and then that's what that's what they're going after, how you made me feel. Yeah. When I think of winsome preaching, I, I'd also just think like uh uh, kill him with kindness preaching, you know, and this is the way we approach largely most people approach evangelism now, you know, in our Western culture, you just got to be real kind to them. We don't want to offend them. And the excuse mm-hmm. is if I offend them, I might lose my opportunity. Yes. You know, or you could lose an opportunity to call into repentance and they could get in a car crash that so, night and so, die and go so, to hell. So I will take my way of doing it over your way of not doing it. <laughs> exactly. Every time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about like expositional preaching. Uh, the way we define this content and intent of the passage determines the content and intent of the sermon. Mm-hmm. And then let's talk about two aspects here, gravitas in preaching and authority in preaching. So, uh, Russ, on the authority side, talk about that for a moment when it comes to preaching. So for us, we are making the assumption that most of our people would recognize that there's a difference between teaching and preaching. And that was a hard thing for me to kind of adapt to early on in my ministry. I'm, I think, much more gifted as a teacher. Uh, I enjoy the transmission of information. I like to see that, how truth and facts change people's thinking, which changes their life. But that's different than preaching. And preaching, the thing that has kind of helped me the most in remembering what my job is when I get up behind the pulpit is to command the will. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know where you got that from. I heard that, and that, to me... I don't remember either. <laughs> you can just claim it. Okay. Matt, it's been long enough I've forgotten who Matt, it came Matt from. McBee. Matt McBee. I can say it's mine. <laughs> um, T-shirt time. Yeah, just in case, you know, I plagiarize someone. So I, I don't want to be like Ed Sheeran and, and have to, you know, <laughs> go to court. Yeah, for real. Because <laughs> um, there's people that do that, do that. Yeah, so for me, like... When I think command the will, that changes the difference. That's totally different than me standing up in our Sunday school class and, and teaching. Yeah. Uh, I, I am saying what God has said for your life, and you have to obey. Mm-hmm. Like That's what preaching is. Mm-hmm. There's there's option A, and you must do it. And option A. <laughs> you must say, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, so... With that comes this authority, and so we would say very clearly at the top of the 
top of the day that the preaching that comes from the pulpit is authoritative, not because it comes from an elder. It could be any man of God, man of God, uh, mm -hmm. just to be clear. Um, it could be any man of God who brings the word. It can be um, any passage of the scripture. It can be in whatever style, for the most part. I, mean, I have some ex exceptions. In any style, what makes it authoritative is that it's God's word right, yeah. for his people. And so we would, we would say that all day. And so for us, we, we have this picture that authority comes from the word. That's why we want to talk about the pulpit, is that's where the book is open. That's where we bring these things home. Yeah. yeah. And then next, uh, gravitas. Gravitas, uh, meaning like a weightiness to it. So if it's authoritative preaching, then it's going to have a, a weightiness to it. But let me read this quote from, from Piper. He says, Good preaching gives the impression that something very great is at stake. With Edwards, meaning Jonathan Edwards, view of the reality of heaven and hell and the necessity of persevering in a life of holy affections and godliness, eternity was at stake every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Right, And if you have a good view of working out salvation, that, that in a sense it's a one-and-done thing, but now it's a perseverance that you will know that you're saved if you persevere to the end— yeah. Then and not to be confused with the works-based righteousness, but if that's what's at stake every Sunday, then it doesn't matter whether you're preaching on how you speak to your wife or if you're preaching on the specifics of the atonement. Mm -hmm. Both of these are eternal issues. Life and death. They're life and death. And so preaching with gravitas has got to preach it that way. Yeah. But there's yeah. a weight to this. Now, we're going to have a separate uh, episode on how to listen to preaching. But mm -hmm. just to be clear, like this one's a softball. That should change the way that you come to church on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Your expectation when you sit down. It should change what you do with it and yeah, and so on. So, yeah. you know, Jesus is one who is said to have spoke uh, as one with authority. And, and I remember reading an article from Joe Rigney on this that was really helpful um, I'm pretty sure it was Joe Rigney, but he was referencing Matthew 7, where it, he talks about, they, they say Jesus is one that spoke with authority as opposed to the scribes. He's the one that spoke with a weightiness to him uh, as opposed to the scribes. And why was that? And again, Rigney argues that it was because primarily the uh, scribes and the Pharisees caveated everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because we live in a world that like doesn't want to distinguish between anything, but if you're going to get remotely offensive, you better distinguish everything. You yeah. better give me every exception clause mm -hmm. to uh, that the known to man, and make sure if you're going to talk about a that you make sure you exclude all these people you're not talking about, mm -hmm. lest someone get offended. Or to have authority, you have to be exactly like me. You have to be my color, my gender, my. Traumatic experience level, whatever. <laughs> Otherwise, right? you have no right to speak to it. Otherwise, it's insulting that you have which, anything to say to me. Which is just crazy. Which, again, truth doesn't matter in those conversations to those people. But that's not even possible. It's right. not possible that we could have every intersection of struggle or oppression. It's just insane. It's asinine. I, it, yeah, anyways. Brigny... In, in Matthew, uh, here's an example of caveating everything and it losing its weightiness uh, is Mark 7, 5 through 13, where Jesus is saying, um, 
basically he's reaffirming the Old Testament law of capital punishment for kids who dishonor their parents. And what's happening with the Pharisees is they're saying uh, they're dedicating portions of their life to Corbin, which means uh, like it's given to God. And they were doing that so that they could avoid honoring their mother and their father. Well, what, what's, what are they doing? They're caveating their life and their teaching so they can get out of obeying the plain meaning and writing of the text. They didn't want to, basically, they didn't want to be capitally punished. They didn't want to get the death penalty themselves for dishonoring their parents. Yeah. So they caveated it to death so that it, that that law was gutted of any power. Mm-hmm. So we want preaching that has gravitas and authority. So let's let's press on and talk more specifically about what do we mean by preaching that doesn't suck or or preaching that has a spine yeah. or a backbone or that bites, mm-hmm. uh, not in a negative way. <laughs> I, that bites, you, man. Your yeah, right. uh, Bart Simpson. Right. Your thoughts on Rigney in that article? It makes me think of uh, Rico Tice's book as well on leadership. He said something of the same. Uh, where he's talking about Jesus always just cut right down the middle. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't. He didn't say, "Let's come to a balance here. Let me give you this side, and I'll give you this." Side. He just cuts right down the middle with uh, with orthodoxy. Yeah, and you speak straight to the matter. Yeah, my wife was commenting on that uh, the other day as we're reading through John, and she said she was impacted by the fact that even the Romans, the Roman soldiers standing nearby, said, "This man speaks as one with authority." Yeah. We've never heard anybody talk like this, mm-hmm. you know, because they they were most definitely used to hearing the religious leaders of the Jews yeah. caveat themselves to death. Yeah, yeah. So this now we're we're getting we got a little bit of ahead of ourselves, but or at least I got ahead of ourselves. But now we're getting a little more into the realm of why would we like where would where we diverge rather with many of the expositional preaching that's out there. Mm. Um, some of that preaching that on, honestly most of the time seems more like a running commentary, like this is just what the passage means, and then they kind of tag that with a couple fluffy applicational points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we... Ooh. They tell you rightfully how Jesus does it for you, but then don't worry about doing anything yourself. Yeah. All right, the, 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 the over-gospel-centered preaching yes yep. yeah yeah that's Jesus- what's been so helpful in hebrews as we've been yes. going through hebrews is he's he's saying yes to that but yes and it it, it, it uh came together so well uh, in our series in hebrews with um resurrection sunday mm-hmm. so now you have resurrection life mm-hmm. you you couldn't keep the law now through the righteousness of, righteousness of Christ, you can. Yeah. So so go and do that. Yeah. Go and be transformed. It's, this is not just something to to make you feel good, and it's your free pass into heaven when you get there. Mm-hmm. This is actually supposed to do something. This is supposed to come out your, as Matt likes to say, it's supposed to come out your fingertips. Yep. Yeah. And this this applies and matters to your dinner table and and to plunge in a toilet and to build yeah. a house or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Uh. You know, in that in the passage where uh, Hebrews is quoting Jeremiah, right, mm-hmm. and he's going to put this on their mind, the law on their minds. You know, what law? <laughs> like, right. what law? Love, uh, you love your neighbor. Just go love your neighbor. That's there all. you go. 
And no definition to that. You can define it however you want How? to. How am I supposed to love you my neighbor? You can define love. You can define you, apparently, or, and you can define neighbor. Go mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. That's right. I, yeah. <laughs> you know, so where we would diverge, uh, we don't, uh, many people don't want preaching that actually names the sins in the congregation. Um, you might offend somebody, Matt. You might. You might. Someone might even feel like they were targeted. And Jesus never did that. <laughs> I love the passage. I mean, I can't remember where it's at. Uh, I think it's in Luke where he's talking to the Pharisees and then a lawyer says, teacher, in condemning them, you condemn us. And it's almost as if Jesus is like, oh, thanks for reminding me. And he turns to him and he's like, and you also, and gives them like four points (laughs) since you brought it up. (laughs) I was very clearly talking to you. He, he had ears to hear. Right. And let, and, and, <laughs> don't leave me out, Jesus. Right. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves either here, but lest we make the mistake of everybody's pretty okay with Jesus being pointed and blunt and uh, snarky, whatever you want to say to the Pharisees. Because <laughs> yes. that's the Pharisees. <laughs> it's Nobody the likes the Pharisees. But if you don't, the problem is, is you haven't read your whole Bible. You haven't read the, all the Gospels clearly. Because you see a conversation with the woman at the well. Yeah. Right? And Jesus is very blunt uh, <laughs> with the situation that's happening with her. So, Or with Peter when he calls him Peter. Satan. Yeah. Get by me, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that seemed pretty uh, uh, hyperbolic, mm-hmm. uh, maybe. Uh, and you forget, a little harsh. Yeah, and you forget that you know, Jesus is walking through his teaching and uh, he, he has people say, these are hard things. Mm-hmm. Who can he can handle these? And they all left. A bunch of them left. And Jesus turns around to his deci- chosen disciples, and you gonna leave too? Mm-hmm. And P- all he, Peter can say is, "Where are we gonna go? You mm-hmm. have the words of life. You have the words of life. And mm-hmm. it's not that Peter's not saying this isn't hard. This is very hard. But where else are we gonna go? You have the words of life, which has to go back to the authority of the scriptures. And if it if we have people saying you have no authority to speak into my life because you're not. You haven't been in my circumstance, and that ultimately is king. So you just want me to skip verse 14, right? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> all of this, well, listen, all of this is, all the stuff we have going on in the church right now in our culture, it's all, a, this sounds so simple, this is all a Bible problem, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it's, it's that people don't understand which is why the scriptures. We, which is why we want to call it the pulpit, that's where you crack the book. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Back to the... Uh, like we don't want preaching that actually names the sins of the congregation. We don't want preaching that feels like targeting. Uh, we had a member one time say, "Don't expect your pastor to preach as if he does not know you." Right. Uh, that's a that's a great word, yeah. but that's what most people want. That's true. They they want a, a a preacher that if he knows anything about me, all he knows is how I'm struggling and how I'm oppressed. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's it. You you can preach on those, and you can and preach to my sensitivities, but but don't preach like you know what sins are actually happening mm-hmm. in my life. And right. and for us, the the goal in in preaching is preaching uh, to those things. Like mm-hmm. that's faithful expositional preaching is not just exposing the meaning of the text. But exposing the meaning of the text and applying it to the people in front of us. Yeah. So for that, we would say Sunday mornings, we're preaching to believers. Yeah. The gathering of the church is for believers. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So uh, the yes, there's going to be evangelistic tones in there, and yes, the gospel is going to be present, mm-hmm. and yes, there's going to be a call to repentance and faith. But it's for people that are believers. I'm assuming when I preach and I'm uh, writing my script, assuming that I have believers, knowing that I don't have all believers present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there will be those calls to repentance and faith for the, the first time. Yeah. Um, but that's for the goats that are among us mm-hmm. that don't realize they're goats. But, but, what, um, yeah. what, but what people are usually pushing back on in that we find is they they want you to preach in a way that's not going to offend a non-believer yeah yeah don't, don't offend my not and again it goes back to that kill them with kindness because f- all of my evangelism is just me inviting my friends to church right exactly which is you got the wrong understanding <laughs> don't screw it up preacher you got the wrong understanding of evangelism they're never going to come back right and that's why we push personal evangelism here right not event driven evangelism and like matt said of course we are going to the gospel is going to be heard. It may not be a like the old you know Feels Romans like you're road to death, man. Everything I am, yeah. <laughs> there you go. But what we're what we're after here is is just straight up exposition and the calling out of people's sins for the people of the church for God's people. And I'm also the aware of non-believers who are present. I know that there are going to be folks that are there. But what people want to do is bring their non-believing friends to church and they want the preacher to save them for them yeah so yep. i've had people i've had people say to me before that have visited um and i know you've had this too well we're just not sure if we could bring our unbelieving friends here <laughs> uh, and i'm always like do you want them to come to know <laughs> I'm jesus like, or not jesus has something to say about that if you're ashamed of me in front of men i'll be ashamed of you in right. front of the father right and again, that's a whole other podcast I'm about like, the problems I, I, with evangelism. Or something like that. But oh, what, right, darn, exactly. But what we've done is why is, don't you help them get saved before you bring them? Exactly. Yeah. So most churches have just become feel good clubs for people who hate God. Yes. Right? Yes. That's what it is. So oh, let me have a, a place that doesn't press too hard. Like we were at so one, can, like the one we were at recently. Like, yeah. It's just a big coliseum mm-hmm. for for pagans. Yeah. And so it's just a holding pen for goats for the slaughter. And and what people need, what non-believers need to see as we invite them to come to Sunday morning gathering is that they need to see the Word of God preached clearly to the people of God, and they need to see the people of God receiving that with thanksgiving and joy. Yes, yes, yes. Not saying that that doesn't press hard in their hearts and they're broken, and their sorrow for that, there should be, and then they see their lives transformed. That's good news. That's good news. Come and die and be resurrected. Come and die and be resurrected, and that's that's the call. And what we're really seeing is this: the, the church has to be a safe place or a refuge for me. And really, what they're saying is that it has to be a safe place for my sin. Mm-hmm. You know, don't push on my sin. I'm aware when there's non-believers in the in the congregation. I'm I. I I um, am mindful of that. I pray that the Holy Spirit would would uh, give me wisdom on how to best bring forth the proclamation of the truth. But I can't shy away from what God's Word said, and I shouldn't. I should not apologize for it. Mm-hmm. I remember an article written by a secular guy once who was. It was after Carl Letts, like moral failing, whatever the um, Big Hill song. Dude in, oh, in, yeah, yeah. Houston? In, uh, no, it was the guy in uh, New, York? New York City. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. His, his son-in-law. 
Um, and he wrote an article basically saying, we're tired of these guys who are trying to be just like us, so to speak. Like they're trying mm -hmm. to be like the world. So you got these celebrity pastors who mm -hmm. are in GQ yeah. and all this stuff. And he said something to the effect in that article, like if you have um, a gospel or a religion worth its salt, I think that I should find as a non-Christian a lot of that offensive mm -hmm. or it's not worth anything at all. Yeah, it's no different than what I can find over here. Exactly. But it's be nice, be nice. Hey, look, we're not that weird. We're just like you. Yeah. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> That's right. We're not. Uh, yeah. I said recently, like, you you should feel very much out of step with the rest of the people around you. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's a problem if you don't. Yeah. So on that point, like, we want to preach to where we want our people to go. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is there's, there's frequently this pushback in our culture uh at least in churches in this region of well that that preaching is too high above me intellectually yeah that's that blue collar town thing yeah it's uh you've used this phrase jeff a ton of times like intellectual laziness yeah yeah leave the, it to the experts i i ain't, I ain't about that book learning <laughs> <laughs> well i don't read books right <laughs> oh man i just like it just makes me cringe every time i hear that Mm -hmm. Um, so what, so when I say like, we want to preach to where we want our people to go, I, what I mean is I, I'm not, we're not going to talk to a baby like it's a baby. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk to a baby where we expect that baby to be growing to. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean you can just use huge words all the mm -hmm. time. Uh, so there's, there's a, there's a walk, a fine line to walk on there. But you don't you don't just stoop down and talk goo goo gaga right. to the baby if you wanted to ever learn how to speak right. rightly. Is another example of this is that we say here like we're going to preach to men like men. We're going to treat them like men. Yeah, that in the same vein. As yeah, what saying? yeah, exactly. Like I've said this so many women over the years, like when it comes to what they should expect from their husbands, to go speak to him and talk to him like he's a man. Yeah. And stop treating him like he's your fourth child. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's going to stay your fourth child if you keep talking to him like that. So, as a preacher, if you if you want your people to never move on from the elementary principles, then keep talking to him to him with the elementary principles, yeah. <laughs> and they will stay there. I think it was Steinbeck in a book one time said, "My wife married a man, and she should expect nothing less." <laughs> <laughs> and he was saying what happens is is you know because wives baby their men mm -hmm. that that man becomes the the most immature child of the whole family eventually the uh the the next item is like um what i would uh, i guess describe as getting under the lip like think of um think of a carpenter who has a pry bar and they're trying to like they're going around the trim. This is the best example I can think of. Like you go around the trim of a door or a window and and you need to find somewhere in there to get that tool just under the lip. Yeah. Just find a, a little ledge that you can sneak the pry bar in there and begin to pry it open. And sometimes you gotta go all the way around mm -hmm. that uh, that trim. But it or only you, takes a little bit. It might it only, takes a, it only takes a little bit. Or you might have to find a, a different pry bar. You might have to find a smaller pry bar, something a little skinnier that you can get underneath there. 
and that that metaphor represents uh in this context like the use of different rhetoric styles Mm -hmm. uh things from hyperbole to provocation to snarkiness (laughs) to uh questions Mm -hmm. to get people to think Uh, and we even get that in some of the uh different ways that the three of us preach mm -hmm. right Yeah. yeah exactly yeah, you, if you notice, Jesus uses all of those. Yeah. Now, the key is Jesus always does it for the, for the good of that person. Mm-hmm. So he does it. He's not provocative just just to get attention. Yeah, just for a provocative sake. You yeah. know, he doesn't tell someone to uh, let the dead bury the dead, just to be funny, or just to to be a jerk. Like he's doing that because he's it's what's best for the people that hear him and so what, what what it is is Jesus knows I can say that and that's the lip I can get my pry bar right behind them if I say it that way or if he says uh, if your eye causes you to sin gouge it out yeah the, these these are great examples what's, of what's particularly interesting about that is he's usually aiming at their primary idol <laughs> yeah yeah he's not messing around the big one mm-hmm. yeah he's not trying to butter him up he just goes after it. The challenge right now, though, is the only kind of rhetoric style that is acceptable is niceness. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just warm and fireside chat-like. That That's all that's acceptable. Mm-hmm. Unless you're talking about someone to the right. <laughs> then you can be a jerk to them. Yeah. That's, that's okay. Yeah, because sure. I think that the fatherlessness aspect, people are longing for a father, but the only one that they're comfortable with is the one that is warm, is going to come alongside. Whereas a real father is one who draws lines, yeah. who protects, mm-hmm. who sets up walls and yeah. boundaries. I, I also want to add this in there, too, at this point. People need to realize that one, a provocative statement in the gathered body of believers might not be for them. Like, you mean it, the, the whole thing's not all about me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I might choose in that moment, one of us it might choose in that moment a very provocative thing to say, and we literally have five, six, seven people, ten people in our mind, mm-hmm. and the rest of the congregation are like, I wish I could tell you right now, I wish I could buzz your seat and say, hey, uh, this isn't like for you, but you can go say this to persons A, B, C, D, E, and F uh, if you want. And that, man, that should be an encouragement. I've told people before, you think you're the only person in this church that is that is struggling through this thing and that God is sanctifying in this certain area. If you could know the people around you who God has done great works of. That's because I think people forget Ephesians what, 5 and that they think they are the whole body. But when I go to the gym, very rarely am I flexing every muscle in my body. Right. Yeah. Hey, this next point, this bullet point, this is our upper body exercise. Yeah. So you upper body people, get on yes. board with this. Yeah. Legs, take a breather. Yeah. Yes. I got you on the next bullet. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And in this moment, if you're like, you know what, and, and you're walking in humility, you're like, okay, I don't think that applies to me. I mean, you should hold that with humility. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And then you should slip it into your back pocket Mm -hmm. because you're either going to need it for yourself tomorrow (laughs) or for someone else tomorrow. Yeah. So just don't don't just dismiss it. And also don't think that everything's aimed at you. Yeah. Um, It's just crazy. Puritans did have a practice. I don't think this was broadly practiced. um, I don't think. But uh, where they would stand up 
at the end and say, hey, he was talking about you here or this applies to you there by name. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, Paul calls people by name. You imagine that being read uh, at certain churches, his letters, and -and so-and-so's name is mentioned and everybody's like turning around, (laughs) taking a he was pretty clear there, Paul. <laughs> Paul's talking to you. <laughs> hey, the coppersmith. Yeah, exactly. He's, he named you. So, yeah. Also, I would say. That was targeting. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've told you guys this before, and my wife has said how much she feels loved and cared for by pastors who will preach the word of God to her specific sin. Yeah. And, the, and when the churches gathered together, when we were about to partake of the sacrament of the supper, when there's an opportunity to walk in faith and repentance in that moment, that when the Holy Spirit is pressing upon her at the preaching of God's word, that she feels so thankful. Yeah. And others have said the same thing. So thankful that she has preachers who are willing to say, this is, this is going to lead to death. This is going to lead to life. Yeah. Now, yep. you know, repent and walk in faith. The big difference there is is the person who hears that kind of preaching and feels thankful is a sheep mm-hmm. with their shepherd. Yeah, because because what the sheep the sheep yeah. hear the voice of their shepherd. Because we versus because we love them. Right. Yeah. Because beyond the voice of the preacher is the voice of God and His Word, and a good preacher is simply bringing you God's Word. And, and so, ver- if you got ver- a problem, you got to beef with God's Word. Versus a goat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That doesn't want to hear the voice of the shepherd. Right, exactly. That's the difference here. Yeah. 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 There's a fundamental assumption that people who feel targeted are missing and that we're doing it out of vengeance. Mm-hmm. We're doing it out of out of uh, power. When we're doing it out of actual love. Like, this is the best love that you're going to get this week, yeah. my friend. Yeah, yeah. And, not, and not just love for you, but love for the people around you, too. Because maybe you're doing something stupid mm-hmm. yeah. and hurting the people around you. Yeah. So I'm trying to help open up the eyes... To the people that you're hurting, yeah. yep. that that you're acting like a goat, yeah. or or even worse, that you're a wolf. Yeah, and I think it's important to mention too when people um, think about preaching, they need to remember that the pulpit ministry is a small slice mm-hmm. of the pastor's ministry, mm-hmm. right? So when when we're bringing when we're preaching to the sins in the room, it's because we are we are in the trenches with the sheep. We smell like sheep. We've been in counseling with people. Like, and so we're, we're bringing God's word here to say, this should convict you of sin and, or, hey, this should make you very encouraged that mm-hmm. there's no condemnation, right? So look, the word of God is saying that clearly to you right now. That's right, man. So we have two, two big items here left to, to wrap us up. But the first one is clarity and the second is specificity. And there's a little bit of overlap here. But with, with clarity, we want to want to speak straight at it. And this is getting back to some of the um, winsomeness, getting back to the uh, speaking as one with authority, not caveating everything so much, uh, but speaking with clarity. And I think one of the best examples I can think of is Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 11, as the apostles are preaching. And he, they literally say, this is the Jesus whom you crucified. So you can see the clarity mm-hmm. concerning sin. Um, I think a recent example uh, in, in a sermon that I preached recently from Hebrews was where I said, some of you, we're just talking about the law being uh, put in our minds and written on our hearts and how 
God gives us the ability now to love the law that's being put into our minds. And I say, basically, some of you have great understanding, but your affections are terrible. And I just said, listen, you are probably lost. You're probably not a believer. If once you understand what God has said in his word, you refuse to trust it and obey it, you are not a follower of Jesus. It's that simple. It's really that simple. And I I knew saying that on Sunday morning that a majority of our people uh, were going to hear that fine. But also know that there are also people that are present that that's going to feel harsh too, and I also know people outside of our church that feel really, really harsh too, right? <laughs> but that was clear. Mm-hmm. There was clarity there. Some po- someone likely needed to hear very clearly. I don't love the things of God. I must be lost. And and if you don't do that, who's going to do it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean that that's our job. That's yeah. what we're going to be held accountable for. Yeah. Now, I wish I could have, in that moment, walked down from the pulpit and repeated that to specific people um, because I'm concerned about their soul. Which we can yeah. and do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, which we can and do, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Just just not right after the sermon. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Is there anything else you guys wanted to <laughs> add on the clarity point? Before? We're hard preachers, but we're not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that people... And it's the winsome thing, it's the kindness thing, it's the softness in which our culture is steeping in right now that anything hard or offensive just seems to people to be so unloving. Yeah. You know? And I just don't understand how they can read the public ministry of Christ and his ministry here on earth and not see his, his harsh words from a place of earnestness and, and desire to call people to repentance. I mean, you see him after he just he just gives this scathing sermon to the uh, Pharisees, and you see him say, "How have I I've longed to gather you, you know, like a mother hen gathers her chicks," and you're not willing. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, you see this all, this brokenheartedness as well. Like it comes from a place of love. Well, the motive thing doesn't even matter to them, unfortunately, because yeah. at the I think at the base root, they're denying their humanness mm. to to deny that that growth comes from difficulty and toil and suffering yeah. is anti-human. Mm-hmm. It is baked into our nature pre-fall yeah. that through this kind of, you know, of, of hard work, through uh, challenge, through all this, anything of value comes from. Yeah. And if, I mean, it's easy for us to point out, you know, transgender movement and stuff like that and call and abortion and say that that's anti-human, but in the church, this is our anti-human issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to, to look at something that's difficult and say, you don't love me, is to say that I don't need anything hard. And then if I actually look at my life, I'll see that I, I don't, I have no signs of growth whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Which when it comes to a gospel question, which is our job and what Christ will hold us accountable for with what did you do with the salvation mm-hmm. that I gave you, Christian, and you elders, what did you do with the office that I gave you? Yeah. We're going to yeah. look back and we'll be like, well, there's no growth. Mm. But we, we loved them by <laughs> yeah. not being hard. We made them feel nice. But we were nice. That's yeah, right. We, we buried nice. the talent. We were altogether agreeable. And he will call us a <laughs> wicked uh, wicked slave, right? Yeah. We could get in the same room together and sing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This couldn't be saved. The majority of this could be saved for when we um, do an episode on how you should listen to a sermon. But 
when I'm sitting listening to a sermon, if I don't feel kind of the full gamut of uh, conviction and and affirmation of the of the promises of God, um, assurance of pardon, all the if I don't feel that, then I'm concerned, mm-hmm. right? If I'm I'm concerned, if I only feel you're making me feel, preacher, like maybe what I have isn't genuine, then that's a troubling thing, right? You should you should uh, want to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit from the Word of God, mm-hmm. um, because that is an evidence of the Spirit's um, dwelling in you. It's I a, think it's a Spirit agreeing. Yeah, with and the it's, Word and it's, spoken. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh-huh. some of this too, man. Yeah. Is like our problem with authority. You don't have the right to speak into my life, preacher. You don't know me. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. You know, I was there when it happened, so I know it's true. Also, Are you sure you were there? <laughs> right. Also, you're a man. <laughs> true. Yeah. Well, ultimately, it's it's the person's um, problem with with the authority of God. Yeah. You know, how dare you? How dare you speak into yeah. something that's only mine and personal just, with Jesus? I just love how the leap that has to be made in someone's mind between I feel this way. And it is necessarily your fault, preacher. (laughs) I don't think people realize how big of a leap Mm -hmm. and how big of an assumption they're making. Mm -hmm. And and all that it takes to overlook. You have to overlook what you ate that morning. You have to overlook how much sleep you got. (laughs) You have to overlook how much time you were in your Bible. Mm -hmm. You have to overlook how much education you have in the Bible. You have to overlook how much you've walked or not walked in the Spirit that week or that morning. So you got to overlook a whole lot of things to get to. It's your fault. Anti-human. Yeah. I'm not a person. I'm just a ball of emotion. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great great. thought. Yes. Yeah. And it's not like, you know... It's a it's a fearful thing to stand in the pulpit, right? I think it was John Knox who said something like that. He trembles every time he we get into the pulpit. You know? <laughs> well, he makes us look like pansies. Exactly. I'm like, well, if that man was trembling, I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> what was that quote? Was it Lawson that said the problem with preachers today is nobody no one wants hates to kill wants him. to kill them? Yeah, the problem with preachers today is nobody wants to kill them. I'm, I'm pretty sure a few people want to kill us. Yeah, so, maybe so. And maybe we're, maybe good, we're doing We're in right. good company because so they killed our Lord. <laughs> but I say that to say we do this to be faithful to God and to his word. That's mm-hmm. our that's our first priority. Because that's who we should fear most. And that's who we should fear most, and we do. And that's for your good. Like and, There's and, this quote from uh, And that's Phillips. the byproduct. That's, yeah. that's for your good. This is from Phillips Brooks. He says, it's essential to the preacher's success that he should thoroughly enjoy his work. Mm. Its highest joy is in the great ambition that is set before it, the glorifying of the Lord and the saving of the souls of men. Mm. No other joy on earth compares with that. As we mm. read the lives of all the most effective preachers of the past, or as we meet the men who are powerful preachers of the word today, we feel how certainly and how deeply the very exercise of their ministry delights them. Mm. Yeah. And that's Hebrews thirteen seventeen for your good. Yeah. yeah. And I can say, as an elder here at Christ the Lord, that I I feel that and I am yeah. I am very encouraged often by by the like our people pull up to the table with a fork and a knife yeah you know they put the napkin <laughs> in their shirt and they're ready to eat there's some yeah. expectation yeah yeah which is yeah that's another thing it was like i better bring something yeah <laughs> these, these people oh, yes these people were ready for some meat mm-hmm. <laughs> and not that time is necessarily an indicator of meat sure. uh, by any means because you can have a lot of fluff and talk sure. for too long but uh, when I preached for just 45 minutes a few weeks ago, I got a lot of flack for that <laughs> from multiple people. 
It was it was enjoyable. It was a, a delight uh, yeah. to hear them. Yeah, they so the, get their money's worth. So, the, so the last item is like preaching with specificity. Again, there's some overlap here with clarity, but it's real easy for a pastor to uh, to preach to the the people who aren't in the room um, and to not preach with specificity, like getting down to the the nitty gritty. And preaching and knowing what's going on at the people in the room, and preaching to those present. Sure. Uh, you know, so a faithful pastor should should know what those are and be able to name them, and then name them from the pulpit. Yeah, he knows the struggles of his sheep. He yeah, knows them. Yeah, like uh, 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 Doug Wilson talks about a church with a backbone. Uh, or a church that has a a backbone is a church that will preach to uh, the sins of women, mm-hmm. uh, which in our current moment that's very true. Like it, women are untouchable yeah. and their specific sins, um, mm. as where you know sixty years ago maybe preaching to the the wealthy businessman mm-hmm. in the pew was untouchable. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> now that's that's kind of shifted. Yeah, um, I thought of that when Russ, when you asked earlier, what are some of kind of the prevailing things that are, are spoken on, and I thought, well, churches don't um, preach to women the sins of women. They will, like on you know occasions, uh, give scathing sermons to the men about you know um, moral purity and so on, which they should, mm-hmm. but then they omit to preach on modesty and. And yeah. submission and so on and so forth. <laughs> I think it was I think it's Eric Kahn who posted that on Twitter. He's like, you'll get a list. It might have been Foster. You get a list of uh, sins for for men, but if you ask what are the sins that are common to women, you'll get an awkward silence. Yeah. And then you know the best maybe time- like uh, probably their low self esteem. <laughs> the best time to <laughs> preach to the sins of women is on Mother's Day. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's the other comparison we've seen right. is that on Mother's Day we get this high calling of motherhood and upholding of it, which it is. It is, yeah. But then when we get to Father's Day, is you all suck. Yeah, you all suck. Yep. Exactly. No uh, high calling. So, so yeah. In this context, someone said a good question to ask is which sins am I tempted to overlook or ignore? Hmm. So uh, those are probably the ones I need to preach on. And yeah. a recent example of this in my own life, a very recent example was uh, teaching through uh, some parenting classes. And I was getting to a section where I was going to have to declare publicly my convictions concerning education, mm-hmm. specifically that Christian parents are morally obligated to give their Christians, or I'm sorry, give their children a Christian education, mm-hmm. which means that, that, act, that cuts out public school as an option. Um, unless you happen to have a public school that is full of good, faithful Christians and they're all teaching your kids, uh, which is pretty much non-existent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was going to have to say that. And and for maybe a half a day or a day, I was planning to not teach it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to deny my conviction, sure. and I wasn't going to not teach it in other avenues. But publicly, I found myself wanting to pull back. I wanted to pull that punch. Yeah. as we say. And then I thought, no, I need to say this. Mm. I'm, I'm being fearful. And this is, I'm going to withhold something that I genuinely believe is good yeah. for my people, our people, 
And for what? I'm going to withhold good for them so that I can have a temporary moment of feeling okay or mm-hmm. safe. Yeah. And by God's grace, I, I, I went forward. And, you know, what was Send awesome... It. What was awesome... <laughs> Send it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, what was really awesome was... In, in the time, uh, like days that followed teaching that, I had one of our public edu- public school educators tell me that like I, did, I knocked that out of the park. Mm. And that, that whole section on education was so encouraging. Mm. And they're in it. Yeah. They're in the, the public school setting. So mm. uh, I, that was with specificity. Right. And <laughs> so there you go. I was preaching and... Uh, kind of getting into our vision of preaching and what drives us. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I hope this is uh, helpful and I appreciate you guys doing super this with helpful. me. Super helpful. Super helpful. Super <laughs> helpful. Uh, and I'll, let me end with, uh, let me say this last thing. I, I enjoy sharing the pulpit with other gifted preachers. Like uh, our church is super blessed to have multiple gifted preachers. I have lots of friends from seminary who man when they go out of town or whatever they they're trying they're pulling up the phone book or their phone to dial in their friends to come mm-hmm. stand in the pulpit for them yeah and we're talking churches that are three and four times the size of ours yeah yeah so i I'm just i'm thankful for that yeah i second that in that one of the cool things to see is the different ways god has gifted us personally in that area um you know we could talk a long time about style preaching and, and so on and so forth but a uh from russ you know me to you just the um fulfilling our ministry as paul told timothy mm-hmm. um but having the same convictions that we've just talked about yeah. you know in this episode yep. but it's cool to see how god uses that whether it's edward just reading by candlelight and people said they could smell sulfur, <laughs> right? To <laughs> you know, to whoever else, a much more dynamic, you know, um, presentation of the word. Um, that's the power yeah. is the scriptures. Yeah. yeah, the word of God is is everything that the church is built on, and uh, it, we hold it highly here. Uh, we have great expectation, and mm-hmm. uh, as preachers, that's why we put the pulpit in the middle, in the middle, in the front. Yes. So if I fall over dead, the Bible is still there. <laughs> and you know that's what it's about. <laughs> do you, I I know we're supposed to stop. Um but like I do in my preaching. I'd be like, I know I'm supposed to stop. I'm gonna go on twenty more minutes. Um I remember Beg one time saying when he was a kid uh in Scotland, he said that they would they would come into the service. He said all all ages were in the in the service. Uh he said that the uh the uh, attendant to the preacher would walk down the aisle with the Bible. He would walk up into the pulpit, which had a door and a lock on it. Uh, he would walk in, he would open up the Bible, he would find the place where the passage was, and he would come back down. The preacher would follow him, get in the pulpit, and he would lock him in there. And Beg said he remembers uh, thinking when he was a very small kid, He's like, I, I don't know the significance of all that, but I know what that man has to say mm. is the most important thing right now, and I need to pay attention to it. Mm. Just the, the gravitas uh-huh. and the weight of what was about to happen. This man, the pulpit is guarded in that sense. This is what we're here. We're here to hear from God's word. And he's like, I don't, 
I don't know all what this is supposed to mean, but that man has something very important to say. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I pray that our words would be the Lord's and that if you have ears to hear, we pray that you would hear. Amen. That's right. Amen. Well, thank you guys for joining us this week. We hope this helps you understand where we're coming from uh, and, and what is a regular rhythm. It happens every Sunday. And, yeah, we're swinging for the fences every Sunday, but we're just swinging for faithfulness too. So we pray that this has been helpful, and we want to encourage you, as always, to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. We'll see you next time.